Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. What did you get? Did you get any presents? Oh, did I get any presents? I got some new trainers. And... <laughs> How old are you? 12? <laughs> <laughs> Velcro. They make you run faster, Sam. <laughs> Wait, did they make you jump higher? Do you know what? They actually, they actually do. Because I, I get through trainers at quite a rate because I run to the gym most mornings. Like an elephant, you're flat-footed. Oh, I'm quite flat-footed. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a delicate man. I'm not light on my feet. <laughs> you're not highly Gebra Selassie, are you? No. You know, I mean, you know Kipchoge, Sam? No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what essentially happens is, within six months of me buying a pair of trainers, I'm essentially running in frying pans. <laughs> That's how they end up. <laughs> Oh, and so it's uh, it's become a tradition from uh, my wife's family who are very sporty and active that I get new trainers for Christmas. Eight pairs <laughs> yeah. to see you through the year. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and also, listeners, Sam has eight legs. Little known fact. Yeah. You can't, it's an odd genetic you, mutation. You can't spot that. <laughs> where most people, <laughs> yeah. where most people have toes, I just have more legs. <laughs> I'm like a legs house of cards. Legs. I'm like a human house of cards. You're like an elt, aren't you, from Lord of the Rings? <laughs> <laughs> is that one a of the trees tree yeah, that, yeah that's the tree yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. excellent so you've got some trainers very nice what type of trainers they are um, adidas or adidas depending on where you're from in the world other brands very are nice. available do you know where the name adidas comes from I don't know it's, it's Adi Deisler so it's the name, the name of the chap who founded ah. um, adidas and his brother founded Puma and they founded them opposite each other in the same small street in a small German town and I think the head offices of Adidas and Puma are still in the same town interesting. Uh, directly opposite each other it says Adi Deisler there you go in, that is interesting and so why did his brother have such a different name Percy Umar presumably I don't know Percy <laughs> <laughs> yes Percy, Percy Puma yes that's a good name though Adidas it is very good so I know what we're going to flip then Oh, uh, which, what do you want to do? For, well, okay, I can go and get my new trainer. They're already coming in mud and I'm on a cream carpet, so maybe not. <laughs> which do, what do very, you want to do first? Do you erotic. want to do this week's podcast or do you want to do the question and answer session we've been uh, half-heartedly promising for about six weeks now? It's very Roger Moore, by the way. You, I just have you, images of you draping yourself over a cream carpet <laughs> whilst doing the podcast with, a, with an open fire behind you. And, and an open shirt. Of, yeah. <laughs> And a big moustache that you've grown over <laughs> <Yeah>. Christmas. <laughs> well, this, has got a, this has got a long way from Tom Selleck, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, I, was thinking, I was thinking, is it Kirk, Kirk Douglas? <laughs> yeah. oh, is it Kirk Douglas? Who am I thinking of? He's the guy from Deliverance. It could be anyone from the 1970s. Kirk Douglas. I, I definitely don't mean Kurt Russell. Um, or Kurt Cobain. <laughs> or Kurt Cobain, no. Or Captain Kirk. What's that? No, I wasn't thinking Kirk Douglas. Who am I thinking? Deliverance. Who's in Deliverance? The guy with the tash. Deliverance. That's just for the audience while I... Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Uh, That's also, what you were doing of. was not Deliverance. What was I doing? Uh, you were doing... Uh, it's not Sabre Dance. It's... Ah, it's on the edge of my tongue. But Deliverance is... Um... Oh, the fucking same to me, you... Pernickety bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Two very different. Very different. My name's Sam and I can play instruments. <laughs> My name's Fucking... Tom and I can't. <laughs> one of my, no, one of my sons. 
one of my sons got a keyboard for Christmas. Oh, lucky it's you! It's one that's got like eight eight keys, you know, big keys. And I've been teaching myself how to play things like this old man. <laughs> this old man, he done who? He played knick knack on my shoe. <laughs> so who is who is better at the keyboard? Your three year old son? My three year old son jams. He's a good jammer. Is he? Yeah, yeah. He just jams. It's very, very jazzy what he plays. <laughs> Freestyle. <laughs> and occasionally you might hear the sirens from his toy fire engine going off as well. <laughs> very, very eclectic. Excellent. I like oh, sorry, that. you asked a question a moment ago. Yes, you? do you want to do the podcast first or do you want to do the question and answer session first? I'm easy like a Sunday morning, Ooh, Sam. Good. Well, I'll tell you what, let's do the let's do the question and answer session first. Let's get that out of the way with. Hello and welcome to a special episode of That Was Genius, in which we answer you, the audience's questions. We've had a few questions come in. We've been half-heartedly promising we'll do this for a month, six weeks now. So here it is. Thank you for sending in your questions. They are bizarre. <laughs> uh, there are some good ones. There are some very odd ones. We've endeavoured to answer all of them. I'm sorry if we have missed your questions, uh, if you've hidden it somewhere. And we've not seen it. You sent a carrier pigeon, whatever. Try and send them again if we don't answer them. Uh, Send them to thatwasgeniuscast at gmail.com and we will try and answer them in a future show. But we have a few to get through right now if Tom has his notes ready. I have my notes ready. I'm ready to rumble. Excellent. Oh, that's what I also found. If I turn my microphone upside down and say that, I am ready to rumble. There we go. Beautiful. So, uh, Zach Holt has asked... You guys mention 90s shows all the time. What's your favourite? What's what's you favourite, Tom? What's me favourite? Yeah. I had a good think about this, Sam, and I did enjoy a number of shows, but I've narrowed it down to, first and foremost, The Fast Show. Ooh, suits you, sir. I've put top of the list, absolutely, for listeners, The Fast Show. I don't think The Fast Show went particularly global even no. though i would rate it i uh, know i would rate it as probably the best british sketch show ever so i reckon it's better than monty python and um did um little britain was quite popular wasn't it globally uh, yeah um, i i never liked little britain no i was never a big fan the fast show's got more depth and more variety and it's just a bit cleverer than little britain i thought little britain's got some good catchphrases but it was kind of a poor man's fast show so the fast show ran between 94 and 1997 and it was well known for being a very fast and very silly um, sketch show. So lots of different sketches with lots of catchphrases. I went through all of the regular cast of the Fast Show online and had a look to see if anyone would remember any of them. And the only one I can think of who people might know is Mark Williams, who plays Arthur Weasley in the Harry Potter films. Mm. And he's he's done quite a few other things as well, because he's, he's actually a very good actor, so he's done a number of Hollywood films, I think, after Wizard, oh. uh, including The Borrowers. I think he might have been in The Borrowers oh, back in the good. late 90s. Um, so he's a very well-known actor. And it's just like it's lots and lots and lots of silly catchphrases that have well and truly made it into everyday language in the UK. Things like Scorchio. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sam said suits you, sir, a moment ago. There's a, the Swiss Tony, isn't there, who is a character, who's a used car salesman who <laughs> likens everything to making love to a beautiful woman. <laughs> Recording a podcast is very much like making love to a beautiful woman. <laughs> Who else is there? Jumpers for goalposts. We've done that in a previous episode. We have. What else is there? There's a. I was very, very drunk. Yes, that's true. There is. His name I can't remember. Who's an old man sitting in a big wingback chair in a gentleman's club, absolutely hammered. 
telling horrendous stories that you only ever hear half of because he can't string a sentence or a word together. (laughs) Brilliant. So anyway, India, India, India. I got the machine gun out. Oh, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> falling down dead. <laughs> I don't remember any of this because I was very, very drunk. Uh, a bit like Boris <laughs> <Nice> Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't far off Boris Johnson, was it? And I also discovered when I was doing my research on my brief research on the Farshe that two of the original writers, now quite a lot of writers for the first couple of series of Farshe were the same guys that wrote Father Ted, which is also one yes. of my top 90s TV shows. Yes, Father Ted was on my list as well. We've talked about Father Ted a few times, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. And the other connection there is shooting stars with Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. Because <laughs> which Vic again, which Bob... is definitely my top time TV show of all time. <laughs> For audiences, you won't have seen this audiences because there is literally no way that any other country in the world would show this shite. <laughs> but, it's a, but it's a comedy quiz show kind of panel show which it literally makes no sense whatsoever it's deliberately <laughs> it's designed to be completely nonsensical mayhem and it's stupid catchphrases and <laughs> bad costumes i think sh- i think shooting stars would translate quite nicely because it's kind of mike myers style yes, silly is. humor isn't it but it's, it's kind of austin power science just plain stupid it's quite it is Very quite English. austin powers actually I, I i wouldn't be surprised if Mike Myers slightly based Austin Powers on Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. <laughs> Very slightly. But it's... Just to give people a snippet of how silly it is, I'd like to I'd like to sing the potato song. <clears throat> Go on. Bear in mind this Big is a quiz potato show. Potato <laughs> saved my life. Big potato showed me the way. <laughs> there you go. It's a little bit of the baked potato song. <laughs> and in this song, it, it carries on. There's a little baked potato that starts singing. Uh, <laughs> it's very odd. Um, yeah, sorry. So they were my suggestions. The prizes were always very good as well. I remember one episode and the, com- and the competition to win the prize. There was one final competition, which was for the winning team to try and get a set of false teeth up a stepladder using only a teaspoon. <laughs> <laughs> and, I remember and one the prize, prize that they won was the Bible printed on Ray Vita flatbreads. <laughs> <laughs> there was bear in mind as well the contestants are celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite well known ones occasionally as well. Um, there was one prize that I've always remembered, which was the muesli enhancement kit, <laughs> uh, which was which was a packet of cocoa pops. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I bet you're regretting asking that, aren't you, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Zach's probably British. Um, 95% of our other listeners are just like, what on earth is going on? Oh, incidentally, the Far Show for foreign listeners, Johnny Depp was a big fan of, and he did a cameo on, on the Far Show. He did. Show. He did indeed, yes. Um, anyway, yes. what were your suggestions? <laughs> what did you have? Oh, God, well, we've been on this for far too long. So I was going to, I was going to say the Far Show uh, and... Uh, shooting stars the only other one that i would add to that there are two that i would add actually and they are both sort of they're both sitcoms one is spaced which i absolutely loved it's a kind of ephemeral 90s early to late 90s early 2000s sitcom about a house share in london and it's very much kind of of the rave era who's in that because i don't i never got into that simon Pegg. yeah i thought it was simon Pegg and the other guy who's the other simon guy? Pegg and nick frost 
So yes, uh, very, very good, very funny, and also the League of Gentlemen. I knew you'd say that. Yeah, I knew you'd say League of Gentlemen, which is very much my Hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Again, it's a very, <laughs> it's a creepy sitcom set in a bizarre village somewhere in North Yorkshire. Very dark. Very, very dark. Royston Vasey, which is, I think, the real name of Roy Chubby Brown, possibly. That's right. That is definitely right. Who's who's a very, very working class, vulgar comedian from the UK. <laughs> yeah. Very racist. So, you know, some things very funny, some things truly offensive. Yes. Um, he's that type of comedian. <laughs> very old fashioned English comedian. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Zach's also asked, Sam, what's your favourite story Tom's done? And Tom, what's your favourite story Sam's done? No idea, Zach. I don't listen. I tune out, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's going to be the uh, the rejected dwarf names for me. Oh, this was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. There were 50 rejected dwarf names and Tom listed them all. Yeah, yeah, including Burpee <laughs> and... Uh, what was one of them? Dirty Dumpy was a pretty S- funny one. Dirty Dumpy, Sexy, Slutty. <laughs> Syphilitic. Um, there was, um, ep- I liked episode nine, which was two false legs and a ruined bakery. That That's the first episode that really oh, had me yes. in stitches with <laughs> the Mexican general. Santa Ana. <laughs> and then the other one that I, I think both of his legs that came to mind immediately was episode 30, just primarily because of the title of the episode, which is Attack of the Burping Letterous Bum Otters, which is my favourite <laughs> my favorite episode title out of all the ones that we've done. And that was the Kappa, wasn't it? That was the Japanese folklore creatures. Yeah, that was very that funny. Like otters and live in rivers and um, stick their hands up your bum to try and steal That was salt. a good discovery. That was a very, very good discovery. <laughs> Incidentally, thank you so much yes. to our fan. Stephanie, who has been on this podcast before, actually, who lives in Japan and has sent us an amazing Japanese selection box of sweets and goodies for Christmas. Absolute star. Very, very... I can't say thank you enough. It's, it's, it's very potluck, because you do not know what you're opening. <laughs> and some of them, you open them up, and you and you put your hand in, you oh, very tentatively, and there's sweat dripping down your brow, and you eat the crisp, and you go, oh, prawn cocktail, that's nice. And then you finish yes. off the back. Yeah. And another one, you go, and then you yeah. put it in your mouth, and it's, it's a ridiculously salty, sweet, very, very strange-tasting sweet. Yeah, I I like it because you know when you eat when you eat a certain flavour of thing sometimes your tongue prepares for it. So if you eat vinegar, you can kind of you, you know that you're going to eat vinegar, so your mouth yeah, salivates right. a bit beforehand. But because you have literally no idea what you're about to put in your mouth, it's a complete bomb going off in your mouth with every bite of everything that you take. Yeah. Sam, that's what life as a prostitute is like. <laughs> <laughs> Except never with any salivation. <laughs> Oh, God, if it turned out to be prawn cocktail flavour, that'd be a bit weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> well. <laughs> but, but yes, I, I ate a packet yesterday, which... Uh... Before every night out, I like to smear... I like to smear skips on my bell end. <laughs> I, I find it prepares me nicely for the night out. On with the deodorant... Just a little and a, sh- a little tingling. And a skip under the foreskin, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> One cheeto up the bum hole keeps me going for the night. <laughs> Hot and spicy if I'll be dancing. <laughs> Cheesy if it's just a chilled out one with Dorito a Dorito on the nipples and I'm ready to go. <laughs> Beautiful. So yes, I was I was thrilled yesterday to open the packet which looked like it had a monkey puking up poetry on the cover to discover <laughs> that it was prawn cocktail crisps. <laughs> yes, it's the one with the, sam- the man in the suit with the samurai sword, which instantly I wouldn't recommend. I think the bouncers wouldn't let you in. Uh, but that that was that was the only one I've tasted so far that's that's... Uh, borderline. All the other ones have been delicious. 
I'm thoroughly looking forward to my walnut owl droppings. Those look good. Oh yeah, uh, rooting around in the <laughs> yeah, rooting around in the box. We've also got we've got some odd Kit Kats. They're very fun. Yeah, I gave one of those to my wife. She said they were delicious. Yeah, the Kit Kats. Ah, I I had a I think that was an ice cream flavored one yesterday. That was very good. And I think I've got a packet of uh, mini noodles. On the front, it's got a woman looking very excited, and on the back, it's got a picture of a strange salad. It's got a picture of a man broccoli, smearing and skips <laughs> over his bell end. <laughs> In Japan, Tom, there's a porn for that. <laughs> So yes, thank you, Stephanie. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah, and no pressure to other listeners either. <laughs> other listeners. We do have right, a list. Uh, we have you all listed. And we do uh, promote <laughs> you and demote you according to your behaviour. <laughs> he's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. And it's a gross invasion of privacy and GDPR guidelines. <laughs> Bjorn Met asked, what was your favourite genocide in history? Odd question, Bjorn. Or is that too touchy coming from a German? Yes. <laughs> Maybe more like, what's your favourite reason for a genocide in history? That's not a better question, Bjorn. <laughs> Bjorn sounds like the sort of person who finds dead baby jokes funny. Uh, even when everyone else around him on Christmas Eve <laughs> is thinking it's probably in not the, the right moment. At the baptism. <laughs> <laughs> he also did rather rather amusingly point out um, that our German accents sound like a gay Kermit, which is surprisingly accurate really yeah when i broke it down it really does doesn't yeah. it yeah and so if anyone any of our <laughs> other listeners have noticed that our accents are very bad accents generally very bad accents sound like anything particular then please do let us know i'll be very interested he also spotted that i say um over to you sam too much uh, we you, uh, you only really say it once an episode well, i do say it pretty much every episode <laughs> i thought absolutely is a word that i use too much but he clearly hadn't picked up on that I, but um yes thank you bjorn that made I me say giggle. anyway a lot. I realise I say anyway. Oh, do you? Yeah. It could be, That's it my could be a drinking game. That could be the New Year's drinking game for, for listeners. Every time Sam says <laughs> um, anyway, and I say absolutely, you take a, you take a sip. <clears throat> Sorry. I just took a drink as well. So there you go. <laughs> so we're playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> Three fingers. Pop <laughs> the bomb. Oh, man. Drink your drink that way. Anyway. <laughs> you have to pull a cheetah out first. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, in answer to your question, Bjorn, I'm going to I'm going to cheat my way around it, and I'm going to say the Emu War is my favourite genocide of all time. If you if I had to pick one, I'd rather not have, but I'm going to have to. So it's the Emu War of 1932, in which Australia declared war against its emu population and lost, <laughs> despite having soldiers and machine guns. The emus have got long necks and they're very fast. They have got long necks and they are very fast. So yes, the e- the emu war in which one machine gun platoon set out to destroy Australia's population of emus and they, <laughs> they wasted over 2,500 rounds of machine gun ammunition in the first week of the war and killed only 50 birds. <laughs> what <laughs> the, were the emus doing the wrong? thousands they tried, to, they tried to aim at. You know what Australia's like with animal problems. You introduce bullfrogs they got a bullfrog problem you introduce rabbits they got a rabbit problem you introduce camels they got a camel problem you introduce emus they got an emu were, were problem. they getting offended fact, that, the only were co- they getting offended that all these emus were doing bad impressions of rod hull <laughs> <laughs> that is far too niche to make the final cut <laughs> sorry carry on puppetry jokes <laughs> jesus right <laughs> 
Between 50 and 200 birds were killed in the emu war in an attempt to wipe out the Australian emu population. There you go. Um, in fact, good. the Australian army even tried to use uh, what are called dum-dum bullets, which are bullets mm. which are hollow points, as they call <laughs> them now, which, is to, which kind of explode on impact. <laughs> um, oh, what would you like me to do? Oh, all right, oh, you want me to... Okay, I'll go in the, the, the bullet, in the pistol, yeah, okay. Why are you doing a Kermit impression? I was being a dum-dum bullet. <laughs> dum-dum. Yes, I got that eventually. <laughs> in fact, there's a great quote from one of the Australian troops, Major Meredith, who compared the emus to Zulus and right. <laughs> and complimented the emus on their striking ability to manoeuvre and move, even when badly injured. And he said, if we had a military division with the bullet-carrying capacity of these birds, it would face any army in the world. They can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. The invulnerability like Zulus. of tanks. These bloody Zulus. Why are you... Right. Oh, right, you're doing Michael Caine. Okay. I'm, I'm going to make this as difficult for you as possible to edit this episode. <laughs> I'm not editing this. This is going out as is. This is raw. raw uncut. So, do you know what? I'm leaving this raw so that the audience can see what I have to deal with on a weekly fucking and basis. And that person who said, I want to listen to the extended version, really regrets ever asking that question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what you're Lord getting. Hull. It took me ages to work out who the fuck he was. <laughs> Rod Holt is a puppeteer, by the way, from the 70s. This is how niche Tom goes. He's a puppeteer from the 70s who who used to have an emu puppet. There we go. That was the connection. Was it worth it? No. No. <laughs> my favourite joke. It was one of my favourite jokes for a long time, though. Moving swiftly on. Well, are you finished? It's emus. Yeah, okay. I've finished. I came across quite an interesting one, actually. I started looking into genocides, and funnily enough, I hadn't actually listed them in... in order of which one was my most favourite. So I came across one, which was the 1763 siege of Fort Pitt, which was part of the Pontiac Wars. Um, and In the Pontiac Wars, a confederacy of Native American tribes attempted to drive out the British from certain areas of, the, of North America. And I'm no expert in this, but my understanding is that the impact of the European colonisation on the Americas has been by some historians categorised as a genocide. For someone who said, I'm by no means an expert on this, you went on to sound very much like an expert on this. I'm quite impressed. Thank you very very much. Uh, But that's not the end of it. So what was interesting about it is it's one of the first recorded instances of kind of germ warfare. So at the siege of Fort Pitt, the British gave gifts to the Native American emissaries before fighting broke out. That had been taken from a smallpox infirmary with the obvious intention of trying to spread smallpox through these Native American tribes, which, of course, we know that Western diseases were incredibly destructive right across the Americas, Mm. North and South. So when these Native American inhabitants looked at something and saw, oh, a hanky from a two-year-old. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yes. What is that this? <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you for that sock. Yeah, that's smelly sock. Awfully kind of you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the siege of Fort yeah, Pitt. An odd selection of gifts. Also, the British would have had to be carrying them around with them as well. So surely the British just gave themselves... Well, yeah, unless, unless, they were just, unless they were dressed in, like, almost space suits. Birdman costumes. <laughs> <laughs> Plague yeah, doctors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they were fully covered up. Them. The Native Americans are thinking, this is a very strange outfit that the British are wearing. I've never seen the British wearing this outfit yes. before. 
as they, as they handed over with sort of meter long prongs these gifts. <laughs> yes, on a stick. Warm, <laughs> Just a... warm, warm, warm. <laughs> like something from Chernobyl. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, t- I would I wouldn't say that that would be one of my favourite genocides, but it's a very no, interesting yeah, it's genocide. Interesting. I don't have, bizarrely, I don't have any favourites, because all genocides are really quite oh. repulsive. It was like the slavery episode we did, <laughs> where I just You realized... love all your genocides the same. <laughs> yeah, they're equally as unpleasant. Much like my children. Um, so... <laughs> wow. So, moving on. <laughs> so, yeah, that was me. That was me. There you have it, Sam. The next question was from Zippy674, who asked, Do you remember the moment your love for history was sparked? At least another 673 Zippies. There you have it. <laughs> yeah. Do you reckon they go to That's Zippy... That's a very Adam Buxton joke, Do you reckon they go to Zippy conferences? <laughs> Bungle not invited. <laughs> not, after, not after that incident. Not after the Epstein affair. <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay, yeah, when was when was your love when was your love history sparked, Sam? Uh, this uh, more innocent times, Tom, more innocent times. So when I was growing up, I grew up in Birmingham. And there was an old guy who lived a few doors down from us who was in his 80s. And this is Birmingham, so that was about 3 meters away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he lived in he lived in the cellar next door along with five other families. <laughs> they worked on the canals. And Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he and he had been the, the essentially the equivalent of the fat controller to my three-year-old Thomas the Tank Engine addicted mind. He had been the fat controller for the Birmingham area. He was in charge of all the railways in the Birmingham oh. area in the 60s. And so I like to listen to his stories about trains because I like trains and I'm cool. And so my parents just used to leave me with him for hours on end, even occasionally days on end if they needed a weekend away. Say, more innocent times, go and leave him with the old man down the road, it'll be yeah. fine. And so he used to take me on walks down where all of the railway lines that are now closed and have been closed for decades now were. And I was just fascinated to see, to hear these stories of how there used to be something here and there wasn't anymore. And I think that's pro- probably what sparked it. It was either that or watching Blackadder with my dad at a very young age. Was, his, was this man's house haunted by um, the ghost of Ringo Starr? It was const- constantly <laughs> narrating his... his- his comings and goings. <laughs> yeah, slow, slowly drove him to madness. <laughs> Ringo, let me sleep. The controller was trying to get to sleep, <laughs> but the man in his cupboard wouldn't let him. <laughs> he kept playing a yellow submarine. <laughs> oh, we go down some very, <laughs> very weird avenues. <laughs> yeah, so I originally read this message. I actually misread this message and thought thought the chap had asked when our love for each other was sparked, which couldn't be any further well, from well, the truth. In... <laughs> <laughs> yes, in the sense that it wasn't sparked, it was a slow burner that's evolved over time into a deep and meaningful love. It was like, it was, it was like an Australian wildfire with the background smell of burning koalas. I've always... <laughs> Where did that come from? In New South Wales. Um, and I thought, yeah, we don't know where the wildfires came from. Where did that come into relation to our relationship? Well, it was sort of a spark. Um, anyway, I, I've always loved history. And originally, I think it was just because things were interesting and, and elicited a sort of ooh and an ah response when you, when you found something out. I also really enjoyed mythology and storytelling. Did you ever watch The Storyteller? with John Hurt as a kid. 
I did, yes. I think that probably had an effect on me as yeah, well. Yeah, that was really good. It was a really, really good American-English... What's the name of the guy? Jim Henson. It was a Jim Henson production, which was really, really good. Yes, it was, yeah. So I was I was obviously interested in history before I got to university because I studied at college. But then at university, I read the preface to a, a book about Anglo-Saxon England. And it had... Uh, I can't remember the title of it. I can't remember the author. But it had a beautiful sentence that summed up why you study history brilliantly, which was something along the lines of... We learn through our experiences, and history supplements our experiences with those of, of lots of other people's experiences. Um, that's why history is a humanities subject, isn't it? It's because it's the study of humans, and the study of humans is a study of you and I, the study of us. And so to know your history improves your knowledge of, of yourself. And I'm um, incredibly self-involved and narcissistic, and um, I like studying myself. Um, so there you go. Good. And uh, what about our relationship, Tom? When did uh, when did your spark for when did your spark for me? <laughs> to answer that, we first met at sixth form college, didn't we? We sat next to each other in history class, and I remember you turning up smelling a little bit of horse poo because you'd been up since six a.m. Uh, shoveling it from the uh, mucking out horse horses. Poo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you just that's, say knocking off that's, horses? That's about right. <laughs> did you... <laughs> that's not what I said. But thank you for going there. I thought you. I thought you looked. At, yeah. Your hair was a bit spiky. Something about Mary esque. Something about red rum. <laughs> yeah, we met when we were in. Uh, I, well, it would be high school or college in America, wouldn't it? We were seventeen years old before we went to university. Uh, what's your favourite topic or era, Tom? I so I can tell you what I, I'm not so bothered about. I'm not so bothered about sort of East Asian history for some reason. I just it just Fantastic. doesn't. That's resonate. the exact opposite of the question. Brilliant. Yeah, it doesn't resonate with me. But I really like European <laughs> stuff. So I I really like. I'm, I'm probably if I were to have to narrow it down, I would go to the era in late medieval Europe where the Europeans were exploring the globe and and finding out heaps more. Not only were they exploring the globe, Sam, they're exploring science because it was kind of the Renaissance, wasn't it? And prior to the period of mass colonisation, so I've never really, I've never really studied in depth much early modern history, um, but I, I do like the late medieval period of exploration. I think that's fascinating. I really like the Cold War. Yes, I, you, you, partly yeah, because I could have predicted that. Yeah, there's so much happening all of the time. There's so much intrigue. There's so much technological advance. There's so much rumour flying around. You've got the drama of spies, and also I really like the fact that it's in living memory, so you can still yeah, talk to yeah, people yeah. about it. It's still very much forms our society and part of it so i find that absolutely fascinating i like history that you can live and you can walk absolutely. through and for that reason I, I love first and second world war history as well i love i love german history really really interesting stuff definitely ba -ba -ba -ba. what else have we got uh, why does britain have two separate taps that's easy answer one for yes <laughs> two for no and uh, the safe word is baboon <laughs> because by that point your arse is red red raw <laughs> God, this is a classic question that people ask, isn't it? Why does I've Britain never heard have... this one before. Have you not? Oh, Americans I, I love knew this Americans, question. Yeah, I knew Americans thought English people all had bad teeth, but that that changed yes. in about the nineties. Uh, not not for me, it didn't. I've still have got... you still got bad teeth? <laughs> I've still got slightly bad teeth. Yeah, mm. they're okay. I've not got any fillings or anything, but they're just slightly uh, like slightly, slightly bowy, misaligned on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, slightly de David Bowie. I've got funky teeth and different coloured <laughs> eyes. Let's brush. <laughs> Put on some toothpaste and brush with me. <laughs> Let's brush. Let's brush. <laughs> there was a public service film that never happened and should have. 
David Bowie does Second World War public, public information videos. Don't trust your wife. She's intellectually inferior to you. Don't talk. Your next door neighbours are German spies. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) vaguely back to the question this is the last question as well I think Uh, so in Britain we have two taps we have a hot tap and a cold tap and the rest of the world can't for the life of them to be honest when we think about it in Britain we can't work it out either why we have two taps because you end up with one that's absolutely freezing cold and one that's scalding hot so you can't actually wash your hands. You have to put both taps on and flit your hands between the two taps really <laughs> fast. And it makes an awful lot of mess and is not a very good system. But like a lot of stupid British things that we do, it comes from the fact that we did it first. God damn. God <laughs> damn it, we did it first. Oh, Britannia, Britannia rules the waves. And, and standing. The reason why we had it first is because we were some of the first, we were one of the first Western European nations. In fact, uh, well, probably the first western european nation to have mass public water supply in the home Goblish. and mass Goblish. heated water supply british fantastic <laughs> yes sir yes sir and so the way that the system used to work and the way it still works in a lot of british houses you'd have a big tank in the roof of the house you'd heat water at a certain time of the day originally by a coal fire later by electrical gas and you'd store the water up in the top in a lead tank and that would be fine And the thinking was that, and it's not a terrible way of thinking, that hot water left to stagnate in a loft full of rats and whatever else is going to very quickly become very toxic. And a a nice temperature as well. Just a really nice temperature for bacteria to breed. So despite the fact that you boiled the water first, very quickly it's going to become full of nasties. And so by having two separate taps, you could allow fresh, cold, drinkable water into the home without contaminating it with the hot water from the tank. That's the theory behind it. To be honest, it's probably still not a terrible idea, really. No, I was about to say, I found that fascinating when I researched it and realised that that was the case because I've always told my wife that she shouldn't wash her her toothbrush, you know, wet her toothbrush under the hot tap. And that was something Mm. I was taught by my granny. And, Ah. And it was exactly that reason. She told me that was the sole reason because the hot water was up in the loft and um, you only you only wash your toothbrush under the cold tap, and you only drank out the cold tap. And um, it probably do, I'm I'm fairly sure it doesn't apply anymore. Well, I don't know. We still have roof storage tanks in a lot of UK homes, particularly older ones. And I certainly wouldn't drink out of those. But most boilers now, are what you call combi boilers, so the water is heated as it goes through. So it just takes the hot water from the cold water supply, and you're oh, fine. Oh, look at you, Mister Plumber. But generally, if you're in an old building, it's still not recommended that you you drink out the hot yeah. tap. Very good. And I, I certainly, so there I mean, I go. certainly remember, for example, at when I used to work in supermarkets, we would have shitloads of paperwork that we'd have to go through every every week, every week and every month, etc. And one of the things that someone would have to do is go around all of the taps on a weekly or monthly basis and just turn them on for five minutes and let them drain out. And that was for for legionnaires, yeah, just to stop like legionnaires uh, breeding in the taps. So it's clearly, yeah, there's some sense behind it. Legionnaires disease, that is not literal Romans. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. Just <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> oh, Decimus Maximus Ridius, get back in there, you bastard! It was a little bit like that Mickey Mouse scene from Fantasia <laughs> with the broomsticks. <laughs> You're still supposed to run the cold tap in old UK homes or general UK homes if you've not used it for a while. You're supposed to run it for a few seconds before you drink it because we still use lead pipes in most yeah, of the UK. Yeah. And it flushes out any loose bits of lead that might have fallen into the water supply. So you're still supposed to do that. 
that doesn't really explain why we still have two separate taps rather than one tap that just mixes the hot and the cold water. But I think it's just tradition. Yeah, I think you're right. And most sinks in British styles are now made with two holes for taps, so we still use two taps. It is nonsense, and it's a really unpleasant way of trying to wash well, it's your weird, hands. weird, isn't it? Because I'd never realised it was something people thought was funny about the UK. And then when I thought about it, I thought, well, yeah, I suppose we do, don't we? Yeah. That and our massive plugs. Do we have massive plugs, do we? We have massive plugs in the UK. Yeah, our wall plugs are huge. Ah, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, power very, sockets. But actually... Very, very good. We have the safest plugs That's in the exactly world. That's exactly what I was going to say, because the New Zealand ones are fucking stupid. Our British plugs are far superior. And I think it's because, you know, the, the British generally are far superior. But, yeah, these colonials, they have very strange <laughs> ways of... Very strange systems. We sent out our second-rate two-prong plugs to the rest of the world whilst we get well, the good shit The two-prong ones are not so bad, and when they don't have an earth, do they? But the, the New Zealand ones have got an earth as well, so they're three-prong. But they're just they're really thin, so they bend really easily. British plug. British ah. plug is a wonderful thing, Sam. It's a beautiful thing to behold. In fact, I've got a, I've got a tear coming to my eye just thinking about them. I tell you what, if a British plug brings a tear to your eye thinking about it, though, it'll certainly bring one to your eye when you step on one. Jesus. <laughs> there is no pain quite like stepping on an upturned British plug. In fact, there's even... I need to Google this now. There's even a word for Caltrop effect. There you go. Caltrop effect. It's called a Caltrop effect. It's the effect of the prongy end of the plug always being upturned fuck off and i think it's also why but why toast always lands buttery side down if you drop it oh yeah okay there you go right that's all your audience questions thank you very much <laughs> we've had a bit of audience commun- other other communications haven't we from the audience which i thought was being quite amusing oh yes punching humphrey punching humphrey that was a good one uh, that was the top bloke from new south wales wasn't it that was our bloke in new south wales chris, yeah chris who... from new south wales hello chris Yes, who emailed us. He was listening back to one of our old, old episodes. I think it must have been Australia Week where we That's talked right. about punching and Humphrey. And there's who punched Humphrey, which is when someone farts. Yeah, it's Australian slang for farting, isn't well, no, it? No, not really. I think it's one person's, one Australian slang for farting <laughs> <laughs> that I've, I, I've given to the whole nation, the whole continent. <laughs> the whole incontinent. Who punched Humphrey? The only reason that was funny, Sam, is it involved poo and farting. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other relevance. That's where I was going. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't really going anywhere. <laughs> yes. Uh, so what did he say, Tom? You've got it up in front oh, of you. No, I haven't. Um, I, I wrote it in my notes. Oh, okay. He, he, I think he explained. I think Humphrey was so, he was in an advert or something, and Humphrey was a character that was teaching children to go to the toilet and do a poo. And then I heard he sent this message to us and I thought, yes, that's what this chap who I trained told me. He told me that who punched Humphrey is, you know, that's what you say when someone's farted because it's like punching the guy, the big teddy that's telling kids how to poo, teaching kids how to poo. So, yeah, good work, Chris. That was excellent, um, excellent work. Fantastic. Thank you, Chris, for explaining the origins of that beautiful phrase. I think phrase. the other one I wanted to, to ask was Trinavana Hawkins again. She's a, a regular communicator. I, ah, yes. I think she set herself up to send us a video of her singing Viagra in the Water. So I think we need that, Tr- Trinavana. Trinavana, Trivana, I can't remember. Um, I think you need to send us to send us that so we can put it on Facebook. So I, I do want to hear the song Viagra in the Water. We'll make it our theme tune. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> Depends how good it is. If it's good, we will. But I do want to hear that. I think I, I think she should uh, she should send that through to us. We might, Sam might even splash out and send you a mug. I, I might I might get another mug printed and we'll send another, it out another to you batch if you, if you send one. us. <laughs>
Ooh, the factory's working overtime. Shit, we've got an order. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've just woken up the one guy in his shed who prints mugs for me. He's <laughs> <laughs> got dust all over him. <laughs> it's been it's been a hard Christmas at the mug factory. <laughs> but yes, if you do us, do us a recording and we'll send you a mug. There we go. That seems fair, doesn't it? Your public shaming would, for, for our entertainment. I would, I would record me singing a silly song for my youth for a mug. I would definitely do it. It's, sounds like a good deal. <laughs> right. And on that note, I think that wraps up the question and answer session, doesn't it? Thank you so much for your questions. Send us more and we'll try and answer them in regular episodes. We, uh, Well, actually, no. We'll save them up and do another of these in six months' time. Why not? Content is content. We hope you've had a fantastic Christmas. You're having a brilliant new year. And do stick around because we've got a regular episode of That Was Genius that we're recording right now. And will probably pop up at roughly this time. <laughs> so This is going to be an epic recording. Oh, this is going to be a marathon, isn't it? If you do have any questions, do get in touch with us. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for That Was Genius and you should find us. Or you can email us thatwasgeniuscast at gmail.com. Uh, I think we're also going to be setting up a mailing list possibly at some point in the future so do keep an eye out for that on our website thatwasgeniuspodcast.com and we will see you again right about now with the font soul brother check it out (laughs) now the font soul brother